Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hetland. We invite you into the conversation and celebration of what God is doing around the world through his sons and daughters. Leif shares insight into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone. I wanted to start by greeting you with a scripture verse that has been so much part of my life. And it is Habakkuk 1.5, where it says, Look among the nation and see what I am doing and be utterly amazed because I'm doing something in your days. You wouldn't believe it if you were told. One of the reasons I think that that verse means a lot for me today, it is so easy right now to be so overwhelmed by what the devil is doing, what the enemy is doing, or everything that we're seeing going on in the world that God is not doing, that it is so easy for us as believers to be distracted because we do not see what God is doing. And I wanted to take a few moments just to address some of the things that has been heartbreaking, not just for me, but for so many of us as a family, And many people have been uh, contacting us, been asking me questions, and I hope to be able to answer a few of those questions by just sharing a little bit bit of my knowledge about uh, some of the things that is taking place. But I do want us to be able to see it with kingdom lenses. And one of the biggest tragedy right now is that we have a tendency, just like we did, if that was a Y2K, or if that was things that are more unreasoned, COVID in regard to mask or no mask, or Black Lives Matter, or political climate, it's constantly have to make a choice between the good and evil, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and choose which one is the good and which one is evil, and then to feast on that instead of eating from the tree of life. So I'm putting that just into perspective. In 1993, there was this peace treaty going on in Oslo, and I remember it very, very clearly because being a Norwegian, uh, Clinton was there, and he brought uh, Ruben from Israel, the prime minister, as well as with Arafat together, and they were doing this peace treaty. I remember Clinton, he said that, uh, I hope that this will bring peace among the sons of Ishmael and Isaac, and that there's going to be something that's going to be common ground. And then he actually referred also from some scripture verses from both Genesis chapter 16, as well as Genesis 21, where the angel of the Lord would predict that Ishmael will live in conflict with his brother Isaac's descendants, but a great nation would come from his line, just as the 12 tribes of Israel would descend from the family of Isaac. So I'm putting that into perspective, even biblically speaking, thousands of years back in time, there was going to be a clear word from God's word about this tension that we are seeing that is going on in the Middle East. Uh, So, and it has gone on and has been going on. We know also the story about Mordecai cry, where there was again a cry of a spirit, a demonic spirit went into man in Haman, and he wanted to kill and destroy all the Jews. And in more recent days, we know about Holocaust. I do not have the chance on this time to be able to talking about all the history about this land that is called uh, Palestine, that there's been a lot of debates about. That was actually what the Romans used it a little bit in a mockery term to describe an area that both Arabs and Jews lived in. But it was connected to a mockery towards the Jews about where David killed 
Philistines, and that's where the Palestine, the word was come from. And then since then, we know it was neither Arab or Israeli was actually through the colonization that was going on that led to eventually two major world groups of powers that came together and eventually Britain against the Ottoman Empire with the Allied forces that led to a win and there was a division of the land and later on some persecution happened and then we know the story Second World War and the horrific things of Holocaust and about six and a half million Jews were slaughtered and then by the time you came to 1945 uh, the world community came together and United Nations started to work towards it and by May of 1948 Israel among this huge huge land got this place that Jews that had been scattered throughout the world could come home to, that was going to be their homeland, it was going to be their family, and that was right in the middle of what they call uh, this region, that uh, Jordan, Lebanon, and places like Syria, but in the middle of there, there was going to be Israel, a, a place for the Jewish people among all of the Arabs. So uh, maybe less than 1% of the land mass all the way around there belongs to this tiny nation. So why this tension and what is actually going on and what is the hard cry of Ishmael that we again today see close to 1.8 billion Muslims and then you have a very small percentage of that of the millions of Jews and they are coming in from all over. But what is this thing about Hamas and what is actually taking place and what is it about Hamas? And I want us to first of all stop for a moment there and put the pause button because it's important for us to understand that the war is not against Israel and the Palestinian. It is not even against necessarily the Jews or actually if you're using the term Gentiles or perhaps the Muslim world in this, there's something even that is going under the needs. So I thought about at least putting together so that we can kind of get a little bit of an overview about the Holy Land. First of all, it is about Jerusalem, which is a holy city of Israel, which it's the, the, the focus of that is the Temple Mount. It's actually where the Jews is expecting the third temple is going to be rebuilt and many of the Jews also believe it is where the true Messiah is going to come because they don't believe in the first coming of Jesus like the Christian. But this is also holy city of the Arabs where the mosque, Al-Aqsa Mosque. And this is important because this is what the whole statue of Hamas as a movement is built upon because they want Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is the third most holy site of Islam. This is going to be in the sense of the headquarter for their state that they want to implement Hamas. And so it's not that the, the Palestinian to some degree much pawns in the bigger picture. But Jerusalem is also a Christian city, the place where Jesus died and rose again. So when we're talking about that, uh, about this city, but it's also about three holy books. You talk about the Old Testament, you talk about the Quran, and you talk about the New Testament. You talk about three different groups, world religion, but three different holy books that is very, very valuable. You talk about also three international communities of faith identify these three cities. You have the Jewish faith, Islamic faith, and the Christian faith. There is also talk about inside Jerusalem, the city that is actually in the hot spot of this and who is going to have it. It's a Jewish sector, a Christian sector, and a Arab sector. So it's not like, wow, here is just one place where there's Jews and here is where it's Arabs. Actually, they're living together inside Jerusalem today. So it's a little bit more complex than that. But part of what I wanted us to see here for us as believers, because first of all, I have to apologize and, and also say I am so, so sorry for the horrific, evil, demonic terrorism that took place on October 7th. Uh, I have wept. I've been heartbroken. 
to be able to see the evil, the demonic evil of Hamas, this one terrorist group that is supported and connected both to Hezbollah as well as also to Iran. So that's not a secret, but that has been a heartbreaking experience. And also to be able to see the kind of a type of horrific images that is even worse than ISIS. And do not forget, just for people at least living in America, I'm Norwegian living here, September 11, 2001. And we know what that did to this nation, scarred us and anyone that remember that. But just think about, according to the size of the country, what happened to Israel that day is about 50 times bigger than what happened on September 11. It was less casualty, but according to the size of the population, what that did to the soul of a nation, it marked that soul. And Hamas has a clear strategy and they have a clear focus. It's not like they're saying, hey, let's get two countries by the side of each other. We're gonna live in peace and harmony. We love you, Israel, and if you're willing to do that. That is not the issue. Hamas is very clear that says they are going to kill the Jews, it doesn't matter just there. They want to get rid of the Jews. They're going to take over this place. And there is not going to be peace according to them until they've destroyed it. It is a little bit similar on the September 11, where the United States eventually did whatever it took and it cost a lot, not just in Iraq, but later on in Afghanistan. And the bleeding that took place and all the lives that was lost, not just talking about because that's very minute, the lives that took place on September 11, 2001. But what happened in Iraq, what happened around the world, and then later on in Afghanistan, and all the life that was affected as a result of them going after ISIS. At that time, it was Al-Qaeda. Later on, ISIS came in, and then also, of course, with the Taliban and the conflict that went on. Similar to what you're about to see now here in Israel, where they just know that we do need to get rid of Hamas. There's maybe going to be other players and there's gonna be more tension, but we have to do this. Uh, and I also want us to make sure to understand that in Islam, it is an honor and shame society. And often in the very root of that, as I say, honor is a major thing, but, and shame. While in the Jewish, it is you broke the law and we need to punish you. So you have to see that there's also war on worldview in how to be able to see things and respond to things. It's hard for people that don't understand honor and shame society why a Ben Laden would go in and do the very thing that he would then refer to something that happened over 80 years ago is why we need to restore the honor. Because again, hey, can't you forget? Can't you forgive? or can't you, that's kind of a part of the worldview. And that's another subject that we could talk about later on. But I want us now just to get into the heart of the matter of what is actually taking place and how we Christian can have a Christian perspective, how we can pray into what is taking place. So right now, after this horrific evil, Israel is going to go in and going to do what takes. But Hamas will hide themselves behind the Palestinian, a lot of civilian. And the other problem that they have is that you have all the hostages, even as four has been released. There's all of them that are in tunnels all over and under Gaza. So number one, this is not a war against Israel and the Palestinian or Israel and the Arab land. This is very, very clearly a war against a terrorist group that actually not just oppresses the Palestinian, it's not just taking resources and finances that is being given to hospital or get clean water and food and other things to help to bless the Palestinian. So this is an important part of an a, a issue that's going on that cannot be misunderstood. And there is enough land for every, if, if that was the issue, it's not about land, 
There's plenty of land for every single one of the Palestinians. If you're looking at all the Arab land or people that speak the same language. And there's enough money if you're looking at all the money in the Arab land. So there's not a money issue either or poverty issue or pain issue directly to sell. It is about this certain little percent of land that has become a thorn in the flesh and according to worldview is, is, is actually a very big hindrance for them to be able to occupy. So I'm putting that just into perspective. And I love Muslim and I love the Palestinian and I love Israel. And this is where I'm coming from a biblical perspective. I want you to know government comes with a sword according to the book of Romans. But we as a church have to come with redemption. We cannot coming in here and just in the next moment creating again, as I mentioned, us against them and creating this very thing that will become the narrative that Hamas wants to play into that will get fuel and create one of the biggest recruitment to terrorism if we as believers step into that trap. We as believers needs to come in and we need to weep over when innocence life dies. We need to weep over when Israeli are losing lives and they everything, the horrific tragedy and horrific evil attack that took place on October 7, we need to weep with Israel. But we also need to weep when a mother loses a child, an innocent lady in the Palestinian territory. We also need to be broken over what is broken. And we have to coming in to do some other things to take care of orphans, take care of widows, to help provide food, help provide pure water, to be able to bring the gospel. And I believe with all of my heart that the biggest solution to this whole thing is Jesus Jesus, the Prince of Shalom, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is the solution. And that's who we as Christians are supposed to represent in the middle of it. Uh, that does not mean that we do not stand firm and we love well. Governments needs to come with a sword, but we as believers comes in with redemption. And we are coming in to bring healing to what is broken, to be able to coming in and help with the trauma, to help to be able to provide some of the basic needs of the people and allowing in the middle of the tragedy where the enemy meant for evil, where the demonic meant for evil, for us to represent the goodness and the kindness and the love of a God that looks like Jesus in the middle of it. So we as believers, we cannot afford to represent a God that does not look like Jesus as believers. So separate again, number one, there is a difference between Israel and the Palestinian and Hamas. And again, there is no war between Israel and the Palestinian and the Arab in itself. Israel goes to war against Hamas. And yes, there's a lot of innocence and it is horrific what is taking place to be able to get hold of Hamas, partial because of the way they are setting this up and they're hiding behind the civilian. And the second aspect that I also mentioned that is so important for us, the way we respond to this and what we're praying into this, because we as believers, we need to believe in the middle of all this darkness that there is still opportunity for us to invest in, in light, in the middle of all the fear and the tragedy that's taking place, that we invest in love that is an eternal thing and that we keep our love on and we love well. So you can't stand firm and you can love well. And I do believe it's going to give an incredible opportunity for believers that are keeping their heart pure, that are heartbroken with a heart of Jesus, that will be ambassadors of love in this season, to be bridge builder between this tension that is going on and to represent God before people and people before God. That's called the ambassadors of love. So that in the middle of that, that we can coming in with solution and to be able to help and to be able to minister. And as a result, in the middle of it, people can experience and get God that looks like 
Jesus. It is time for us to get on our knees. It is time for us to be broken. It is time for us to look at the Lamb, Jesus, the Lamb of God, and to be able just to see and crying out for both grace and mercy for everyone that is involved. But it is also time for us to start to declare and to decree because I know and I read the book of ending. It ends eventually well. It's going to get darker. There's going to be more shaking and it's going to be tough the season we're heading into. But we need the protection and even there for some of the principality and some of the powers of darkness that often is behind the scenes uh, so that this war is not against flesh and blood but against principality. So. I encourage you, make sure to step into your identity as beloved sons and daughters, that you're not coming as an orphan in regard to intercession. Second of all, step into intimacy and capture the heart of the Father towards these people that He loves so much that He will send His only begotten Son. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but He wants all of them to experience life. The gospel, the good news of the kingdom is actually a solution to a lot of the tragedies that's taking place. And also remember that we do not necessarily have a darkness problem, but lack of light. And so many of these people, just including 87% of Muslims, has never even met a true, genuine believer, Christian, that represented God that looks like Jesus. So I do believe that we owe the world an opportunity to experience experience a God that looks like Jesus to ordinary people like you and I that respond like Jesus and that we are not coming from a wrong motivation and a wrong place but we're coming from that we love the world that God loves and in the middle of the tragedy that is taking place we intercede from that very place so it is time to look at the lamb and then look at the lion and then when we roar we will do with a lamb's heart because you have authority over what you weep over and you have authority where you love so don't get uh, distracted in the middle of it with all the news that is going out there because not all of that news is genuine news but listen to that still small voice of your father in the middle of what is taking place keep your eyes on Jesus don't get so overwhelmed how big Goliath is that you don't get overwhelmed how big Jesus is in the middle of it uh, so even as you're studying history you're studying scriptures there's been many different incidences when giants have shown up including what was happening when the Haman situation came in a Mordecai cry released an Esther who changed the environment and as a result the nation would was saved so don't forget the perspective to pray into that from that perspective which is from heaven's perspective and it is with the eyes of love so that you can see into the unloved realm and see the invisible so that we can be part of doing what seems to be impossible let's learn the language of love in the middle of it which is the language the blind eyes can see and the deaf ears can have and if you feel like i don't know exactly what to do pray Second of all, sow into it, invest in love, invest in areas where we can represent and bring redemption and bring hope in the middle of what is taking place. And few of you are called to go, like my friend Sean Malone, and there's other people that are directly going in right now in the earlier stages, and other ones will go later on in these stages as we continue to be so overwhelmed by Jesus. And from that place, do what we see our Father do and say what we hear our Father say, and if not, perhaps to stay quiet. I love you, and let's practice the language of love.
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Leif Hetland on social media at Leif Hetland and sign up for our weekly newsletter at globalmissionawareness.com. Thank you.